You're listening to the Space Hour here on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Eric White. NASA's Flight Opportunities Program is one that helps commercial space companies work with the agency to test out their new technologies with the hopes of being able to use them for future missions. The program just recently made nine new selections for the new tech under NASA's 2021 Tech Flight Solicitation. To learn more about those picks and the program overall, I got the chance to speak with John Kelly, who is Program Manager for the Flight Opportunities Program, and Stephen Ord, who is the program's Chief Technologist. You'll hear from John first. Back in 2010, in the NASA Authorization Act, um, Congress directed us to establish this thing that they called the Commercial Reusable Suborbital Research Program. We called it CRUISER for short because we make acronyms out of everything. Why not? <laughs> um, but that program was to be established in the space technology program, the overarching space technology program at NASA. And it was to emphasize the use of these um, new commercial vehicles that were coming online from the suborbital industry, uh, rockets and lander vehicles and, and whatnot, uh, to advance our technology and research mission. And so in response to that direction, uh, NASA established in, in fiscal year 2011, the Flight Opportunities Program. And in the first year of our execution, we, we made contracts with some of those uh, new commercial suborbital uh, provider companies, but we also brought in an existing program called FAST, uh, where we were using parabolic aircraft through the uh, reduced gravity office at Johnson Space Center to test space technology and biology. So the, the new commercial vehicles that, that came in, the existing parabolic aircraft that came in created the Flight Opportunities Program, and we started business in 2011, and we've been at it ever since. So you've been at the helm the, the entire time of its lifespan? No, I took a little hiatus. Um, I started the program with LK Cabendron at our headquarters office back in 2010-11, uh, I uh, did it for three years, and then I actually went on an IPA um, uh, detail at the Mojave Air and Spaceport. Did that for about a year, and then did some other business at NASA Armstrong, where I work, and uh, came back in at the end of 2018 to uh, to run the program again. And so this is, a, I guess, an arena to test out new commercial technologies uh, as you know, more and more commercial technologies are being utilized by NASA, has it also relied more and more on the Flight Opportunities Program as that has grown as well? Yeah, so not just commercial technologies, but uh, technologies that NASA is developing. Um, you know, our mission statement, and I'll kind of abbreviate it here, is to, to rapidly demonstrate promising technologies through suborbital testing with industry flight providers. But that's not to say we just test industry technologies. Um, we're really a service to, to NASA and uh, to other uh, entities that come in from the outside, uh, those that have promising technologies that NASA missions can use, but also to commercialize technologies as well. So um, broadly speaking, we provide this means of flight testing using these commercial vehicles to benefit NASA missions and to benefit industry. Um, so we do uh, also do expansion of space commerce. And so let's get into these types of technologies and we can bring Steven in here as well. Um, what sorts of um, new ideas and new technologies stick out in your mind? Well, uh, there's a lot of different technologies that, that we solicit. So, uh, you know, uh, we put out a, a solicitation and we also work with our NASA partners uh, to gather technologies from several different areas within NASA. So it's not 
um, or I should say several different areas that, that NASA has classified as different, you know, things like propulsion technology, landing technology. Um, there's just a whole bunch of different technologies out there. So we have a, a pretty wide portfolio of technologies. Um, there are things like, uh, you know, we just selected uh, this year um, a technology that's going to look at um, how to take a propellant tank, which is basically the fuel tank for a rocket, um, and put a coating on it. And by putting a coating on it, it may be possible to prevent some of that propellant from being uh, boiled off. And so as the propellant tank heats up, uh, that, that uh, heat makes it, you know, evaporate and it's got to not evaporate, but uh, turn into a vapor. And it, that pressure has got to go somewhere. So they vent the tanks and basically <clears throat> waste fuel that way. And you don't want that. You want to save that fuel if you can. And so, uh, you know, this, this, this group is looking at putting a coating on the tank and maybe it helps that. Maybe it, it prevents boil off uh, at, uh, you know, maybe a little higher temperatures and that. And so that can save fuel. That's an example of one of the technologies uh, that we funded this year. And what is the soliciting process like? Uh, is, is it a little bit different, I imagine, from uh, the other selections and awards that NASA grants? Or is it, you know, relatively the same as the other ones? There's a fairly standard process for how NASA selects, uh, selects folks to, to give them grants and, or cooperative funding. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, they're not all exactly the same, but they follow the same principles. And those principles are basically you have a criteria set that you go for. Uh, in our case, we look at three things. We look at relative to US space exploration and utilization. Uh, we look at technical approach. Um, and then we look at cost and schedule. So we're looking at things that, you know, how well do they align with our goals and what we've stated, like what topics we want. We look at infusion potential, like this is a great technology, but is anybody going to use it? You know, you got you to fund the things that, that actually have a path to infusion someday, uh, or at least the potential for that path. And, uh, you know, technical approach, we're looking at their technology development plan. You know, what have they done to date? What's their ground testing look like? There's a lot of testing done on the ground before they even get the flight. Uh, what's their flight test plan like? Is it, is it, uh, is it going to work? <laughs> do they have it laid out where they're trying to do too many things in the, in the flight that they're taking? Um, and uh, even, we even look at the team qualifications. Have they flown before? Do they partner with somebody that has flight experience? Uh, and of course, cost and schedule are pretty straightforward and, and boring, but that's, you know, we do look at that. What's the value of this, of this test? What are they getting for the, the taxpayer funding, basically? So we do use the criteria uh, that, that cri those criteria uh, are pretty standard with, uh, with most of the NASA solicitations. There's small variances, but, but that's pretty much criteria. But also in addition to that, we look at, you know, portfolio. How many of these widgets do we need? Um, you know, if we get um, five different people proposing the same technology or something that solves the same problem, we may choose only one or two of those uh, instead of all five, just because we want to balance that out and spend our money on other things and, you know, kind of broaden our reach, uh, if you will. That's basically how, how it works. Um, you know, we go through a rigorous process uh, with uh, subject matter experts and a technical team. Uh, who are experts in the area and, uh, and, you know, they evaluate the technical capabilities and then we throw in the portfolio investment uh, side of it. And then we, uh, we make a determination from there. And that's basically how it works. And Eric also, we're looking at different ways to um, tap into good ideas outside, you know, a big part of what we've done for a long time is kind of a far based solicitation to find outside uh, promising technologies. But 
in the last year, we've been exploring using and leveraging the um, prize authority we have in the America Competes Act. So we just got done with a round of what we call Tech Leap, which allows us to, uh, instead of like uh, go through a, a FAR solicitation process, uh, you know, um, solicitation, proposal, review, you know, ad nauseum and, uh, and selection, it's a, a little quicker. We're trying to really do what we do to find good technologies, get them tested, get them matured in a very rapid fashion. So the, the prize authority, we hope, and again, we just got done with round one, affords us to, the ability to find similar technologies and get them kind of through a testing program and maturation program quicker. So uh, stay tuned for more on that, but we're, uh, we're just now kind of, we're in the middle of round one and, and starting to develop an idea for round two. Got it. And what stage overall do you play in the process of, you got the new idea, it's tested, and then it's actually utilized in a NASA or commercial space mission? So, uh, yeah, most people, um, you know, we, we have a requirement for what level the technology development is at before they come to us. So typically, um, you know, these folks have been noodling on, a, on an idea, um, you know, they might have uh, kind of a study that they do early, early on, they just got an idea and they so they write a paper on it. Sometimes they'll get funding from somebody to, <clears throat> to move it to what we would call TRL4, which means uh, they take it from an idea to bench testing in a, in a lab or software development or something like that. And so they get the technology working, uh, but then they get to a point where they need the environment, the space environment, and, or some feature of the space environment, be that zero G um, high altitude, uh, you know, in a high altitude balloon can get um, access to, uh, you know, looking upward, you can get through most of the water vapor, et cetera. Uh, and maybe you don't have uh, zero gravity, but you have that. Um, and so there's different different vehicles that we use, but basically get to that point where it's like, okay, now I got to fly it because what happens in zero G? What happens to my fluids when I mix them up in zero G or I spray things in zero G or I, I 3D print in zero G? Does the whole thing fall over? Does the whole printed thing fall over or does it, does it work? Uh, are there advantages to zero G? Um, and that's where we come in. And so we provide funding for flights at that point. And then after us, uh, now they've flown in a suborbital environment. Many times they'll come back and fly again because often, you know, they're on a roll. And developing that technology now needs to occur with a lot of, you know, a lot of that environmental time. Uh, and then eventually after that, they start looking for missions and, and not really at that time, they're always looking for this, but they look for missions that they can be infused on. So, um, you know, there are, there are several commercial providers that are getting ready to go to the moon, which is really exciting. Um, and there are folks looking to get rides uh, to the moon and do their thing, do research. Uh, and so those are kind of, you know, where they're looking to get on Artemis or they're looking to get in commercial space in low earth orbit even. Um, and so eventually they infuse. And at that point, um, they've done their suborbital testing, but then they're now they're looking to go uh, into, you know, a, a space environment. Maybe they're even going beyond orbit. Maybe they're going into, you know, long, long distance thing, you know, going to Mars and things like that. So, um Lots of different places, but we, we fill that gap in the middle uh, where they've just got, got the lab results, but they need an environment. They need a space environment. So that's that's where we come in. And, and we're connected to the systems experts within NASA that can potentially use these, these technologies that are getting matured. And so Steve's team 
uh, we're always talking with those experts and, and letting them know what's coming up through our pipeline and, and what can potentially be used on some of the missions that they are, are watching. Understood. Yeah, that was going to be one of my next questions was how do you take the needs that you receive from NASA flight teams of, you know, and NASA exploratory teams and what they need and going through and is it that you, you know, have are sort of a liaison to the industry itself or um, do you uh, use that as just and just use that as the standard solicitation process you were talking about? Well, generally speaking, um, you know, we do provide funding for them. So they come to us with a proposal and in their proposal, they'll say, hey, I want to fly with this flight provider because they're going to give me zero gravity and I'm going to fly with it because it's an aircraft and it's going to do, you know, the parabolic flight. So there are going to be periods of time, like 20 seconds of zero G. And here's what I want to do during that time. So they'll come to us with a proposal that says, hey, I want funding and here's what I'm going to do. Um, but that's not the only service that we provide. As John said, um, you know, not only do we have experts look at that proposal, but if that proposal is funded, um, we have them on our radar. And there are times when our system experts that we have access to within NASA um, can put different folks together for partnerships. Um, and, you know, they can, they can let them know of opportunities coming up for other funding opportunities um, and missions and things like that that they might be a part of, um, they could apply for. Um, so we, we, we do more than just provide funding for the flights. We're also helping to connect people um, and, and provide opportunities that way as well. It's, it's kind of interesting. Consider this. In 2011, uh, Maiden Space, a company called Maiden Space, um, came to us and uh, we funded them to fly parabolic flights for zero gravity. Um, and in 2016, uh, their additive manufacturing facility went into service on the International Space Station. Um, and, you know, it's, it's now produced over 200 tools and parts and other types of assets up there. So, um, you know, that's an example of full infusion where, you know, that's where we hope to, to really help out is folks coming into us, getting that relative environment, solving problems. Things all the time go wrong in suborbital testing. And that's the point. Um, you know, we want you to fail with us first and find those problems and figure them out. You, you really can't anticipate all the different aspects of of uh, these environments. Um, there's a lot of brains that go into planning for these tests, but things happen all the time. You just, you just never know. Um, you don't, if you heat something up in space, it doesn't have what they call convection uh, heat transfer. So things don't, heat doesn't rise in space. It kind of sticks around. So if you have a really hot electronics board, it doesn't cool off on its own. It, it just stews in, it, in its heat until it, fail, it, until it fails. So um, so that's that's what we provide is is access to that. But I just wanted to give you an example of something that's, you know, fully, uh, fully gone into operation. Um, and it started, you know, early on, uh, started with flights with flight opportunities. So there's an example there. And, and Eric, I'd like to just add that in the just over a decade of uh, service we've been providing to the agency, uh, we have had 245 successful flights, which, you know, if you just do the math, that's like 25 per year, which is uh, pretty cool to us. We have afforded over 800 uh, payloads to get tested in a space environment. Again, like Steve said, high altitude, microgravity, or a, like a landing profile. And uh, 330 technologies have come through our program. So we're quite proud of those numbers. And quite proud of, of what we do for what I consider a fairly modest budget each year. 
Um, and we have engaged with several flight providers, uh, 12 at our current counting. And so again, we're, we're, we're quite pleased with those numbers and the level of engagement we've had with this, with this industry that's provided tremendous service to, to NASA. I would also like to just put in a shameless plug for our, our website. If anybody's interested in knowing more about the program, you can find us at nasa.gov slash flight opportunities and flight opportunities is all one word. That was John Kelly, program manager of NASA's flight opportunities program. You also heard from its chief technologist, Stephen Ord. There's more to this interview. You can find the entire discussion online at federalnewsnetwork.com.